Dissonance Media and the Other Stories presents Step into the abyss of After the Gloaming, a gothic fiction podcast that delves into the depths of human emotion, unyielding love, revenge, internal struggles, and restless souls await you in nine haunting episodes where dread, fear, and rare glimpses of eerie happiness linger. Dare to listen on your favourite podcatcher? After the gloaming beckons, search now, but beware, innocence will be left behind. Hey, I'm Ryan Reynolds. At Mint Mobile, we like to do the opposite of what Big Wireless does. They charge you a lot, we charge you a little. So naturally, when they announced they'd be raising their prices due to inflation, we decided to deflate our prices due to not hating you. That's right. We're cutting the price of Mint Unlimited from $30 a month to just $15 a month. Give it a try at mintmobile.com slash switch. $45 up front for three months plus taxes and fees. Promote for new customers for limited time. Unlimited more than 40 gigabytes per month slows. Full terms at mintmobile.com. I'm Sandra, and I'm just the professional your small business was looking for. But you didn't hire me because you didn't use LinkedIn jobs. LinkedIn has professionals you can't find anywhere else, including those who aren't actively looking for a new job, but might be open to the perfect role, like me. In a given month, over 70% of LinkedIn users don't visit other leading job sites. So if you're not looking on LinkedIn, you'll miss out on great candidates like Sandra. Start hiring professionals like a professional. Post your free job on linkedin.com people today. These aren't the stories your mother told you. No, these are the other stories. <laughs> Hey, I couldn't help but notice your walls are looking a little bare there. Um, and there's a few questionable stains. Uh, potentially someone got murdered, did they? Or potentially you spilled something like a goblet of blood. Um, well, I'll tell you what, you can cover up those stains with some nice artwork. Luke Spooner, the lovely chap who illustrates all of the episode art for the other stories, has made us and you an exclusive poster design called The Writer. So you can cover all these stains... Get the place looking nice and pretty, ready for some guests, for some more murders, if that's what you're into. But yeah, the poster is currently up for sale on our web store, along with our t-shirts and mugs. If you get any blood stains on your body, you can cover those up with with t-shirts. Or if you've broken your mug because you've used it as a weapon to attack someone and you need a new mug, we also sell mugs on our web store as well. So go to gumroad.com forward slash hawk and cleaver and you can continue with your extremely violent lifestyle and no one will know any better. Once again, that's gumroad.com forward slash hawk and cleaver. Happy murdering. Today's episode is A Handwritten Confession, written by J.J. Steinfeld and narrated by Josh Curran. The feel of a pen on paper is so unlike the feel of an electronic touchboard. But the authorities must have their reasons for demanding that I write my confession by hand. Maybe even the authorities want some slight connection with the past. Futile to question the act, to dispute its irrationality. 
it is decreed, inevitable for transgressors, a handwritten confession. Yet locked in this comfortless, dismal room, I am questioning, I am disputing. No matter what my inward dissatisfaction, I cannot do otherwise but confess. A few simple words I have given them. I have nearly two hours left before I am taken into banishment to be scarred, and I will write more than the demanded confession. But will anyone ever see it? Surely not, my chosen love. How strange it is to be writing down my story using an antiquated writing device. The reports I had heard of the confessions written with the ink of one's own blood I now knew were not true. Unless, when those sent by the authorities to do the scarring arrive, they demand my signature in a blood calligraphy. Our society is good, we are taught. Everyone has their place, their job. From the blindfolders, to the counsellors, to those who do the scarring. Even those without love, without a life companion, are merely waiting for their place. For the last two years, Every evening, I have been led blindfolded down hidden streets, escorted walks of varying distances from my residence, and then into one room or another, the blindfold removed, and for the better portion of an hour, allowed to wander about a large, high-ceilinged room, hoping to find a life companion, one for lifelong affiliation. Two full years over 700 visits, never missing an evening. I have come to the large, high-ceilinged rooms, and still, I am solitary. I would know. We have been taught as children and continue to be taught. Something internal would tell us. It was not to be questioned. Little was to be questioned, and then if you did question, it had to be in a manner that did not seem like questioning, let alone defiance. Defiance is intolerable, punishable by banishment and scarring. Questioning and defiance were part of the ancient ways, when there was hunger, when there was warfare, before things were rehabilitated, straightened out, fixed up in common terms. The scientific explanation is not worth repeating. I find it too difficult to understand. I have attended all my lessons, listened, yet there has always been an uneasiness within me. An uneasiness I don't have the right description for. I believed that once I had found my life companion, all would be glorious as the sun's brightness, an enfolding, redeeming illumination. That divine manifestation we have been taught from the earliest lesson, the words spoken and sung and contemplated in silence. Whatever was confusing or baffling or disharmonious, there was a remedy set forth by the authorities, and all would become glorious as the sun's brightness, an enfolding, redeeming illumination. I had my doubts, my questions but I kept them to myself. The alternative was too drastic. Classmates of mine had ceased to show up for class, and the explanation was always the same. They had fallen into the ancient ways and had to be transferred. No one dared to ask where. Later, they would be returned, 
but to a different place, scarred and unrecognizable to us, and they would be acceptable. When I observed her in the large, high-ceilinged room, her face a map of her unknown transgressions, I had almost despaired of meeting a life companion. I had never seen one so marked, that I would be drawn to a scarred one had not occupied my imagination or dreams. It was the beginning of a new year, my twentieth. She was in her twenty-third, and there was no way to know how much time she had spent away. As we walked around the room together, she told me that she had been to rooms over two thousand times before and had never been selected or seen anyone she wished to select. Always to a different high-ceilinged room, she claimed. There are a thousand possible rooms in our sector alone. Fifteen possible times a day for entrance. The rooms always packed with selectors, walking, moving, searching for a life companion. But when I observed her, I knew immediately, without hesitation, that she would be the one I would spend all my life with, in sanctioned affiliation as decreed. She hesitated, but after some thoughtful deliberation, said she wanted me to be her life companion. I shouted my intention. An official came over to us, took our names, and told us to report to the Ministry of Affiliation tomorrow. We both said, one after the other, that we thank the Ministry of Affiliation for its wisdom. Tomorrow, we would begin the great excursion of being together. Everything would change for us. Everything would become glorious as the sun's brightness and enfolding, redeeming illumination. Quickly, the blindfolds were put on us, and we were led away in different directions. I was thinking the word, love. It was filling my thoughts, but I knew it was forbidden to say the word. We returned to our separate quarters, and I had an uneasy night, a night of anticipation. The next morning, I reported to a designated area and was blindfolded, as usual, but taken to the entrance of a different government building that of the Ministry of Affiliation. In the building, after my blindfold was removed by an administrative official, I saw my chosen one. Her blindfold, already removed, standing only a short distance away. My desire was to reach a hand toward her, caress her scarred face, but the uniformed ones would be summoned if I attempted such a defiant act. We told the unspeaking official that we would like to see a counsellor, and we were quickly separated, and led by two other officials to a nearby office. We were instructed to sit before touchboard screens, told to give our responses to the questions, which we did with swiftness. I could see my chosen one through a glass partition. Once our choice had been made, we would not come into contact until approval was given. The consequences of non-approval are horrible to contemplate. As long as our records were not unduly blemished, it would be a formality. I had never been in trouble in classrooms or during my visits to the large, high-ceilinged rooms. Whatever dangerous or unacceptable thoughts I had, I kept to myself. For all the government's powers, there were not mind-readers in their employ. Spies, yes but not mind-readers. 
and I had learned to hold my tongue in public and in private. She, of course, had been thoroughly rehabilitated, as attested by her scarring. We were told to sit at opposite sides of the huge office waiting room, another glass partition. Our society is full of partitions and rooms and officials, but that was better, we are told, than the ways before. Crime, hunger, confusion, disorder. We could see each other clearly, but not get closer than the thickness of the impenetrable glass. We had declared our intentions and could no longer risk the least contact. After several hours in which we looked at each other, tried to communicate with gestures, we were told to enter the office of the councillor, each separately. There was another glass partition there, and a fourth one behind which the councillor sat. The councillor looked at his monitor, saw the eagerness in our faces. I could not bear his silence, was upset by the solemn expression on his face. The silence stretched into pain. When? I whispered as softly as I could, but it was boldness nevertheless. When can I be with my chosen one? I could see my chosen one's apprehension when I spoke. I had never been told of her transgressions. She could no longer recall them, not after the erasure therapy that was administered during banishment and scarring. The counsellor looked at me through the glass partition with displeasure and said, I will speak to you. Keep silent. I bowed my head in shame and apology, but yearned only to get close to my chosen one. After another period of long silence, I muttered, When? Once more. I understand your eagerness, but things must be done as prescribed, otherwise we will fall back into the swirling chaos into the ancient ways the counsellor said, his tone not unduly harsh. The ancient ways, the phrase that still causes fear, that underlies all our learning and precepts and codes of activity, the phrase I have been seeing on touchboard screens since my first school lesson, hearing all my life from the authorities. I looked toward my chosen one and saw the reflection of fear on her face. In three months, mid-month, you two shall be allowed to form an affiliation, the counsellor told us. I shook in anger. I could not wait. I had been led to believe the instruction would begin in a few hours, once the decision was made. Could it be that with the scarred ones it was different? I wanted to be with her now, and I was certain she desired me as deeply. I felt love. I felt the forbidden word. Please, knowing counsellor, we are certain, and we have done everything as specified by the authorities. Let us be together now, I said through the glass partition. 
I employed the proper form of address, knowing counsellor, and spoke it with the proper respectfulness. Now, the counsellor said, as though I had asked to leave a confined area, his eyes as clear and cold as the glass of the partition, he lowered his voice and stated, In three months, mid-month, then it will be permissible to form your affiliation. Let us now, I said, unable to restrain myself, looking at my chosen one, she looking back at me. I longed to touch her scars, to enter the gloriousness of the sun's brightness, to feel the enfolding, redeeming illumination. If you do not remain silent, it will be six months, the counsellor threatened without raising his voice. His words reached into my heart and altered its beating. I cannot wait, I heard myself utter. Neither of you has any more say in the matter. You will be returned to your residences to await your affiliation. I began to tap at the glass petition as my chosen one was blindfolded. The hands of the blindfolders, I could see, were malformed, their fingernails shaped like the claws of hawks. Stop! your disruptive behaviour. You must wait six months, then I will review your application, the counsellor said. When a blindfolder came toward me, I moved my head, and I could see the anger on the counsellor's face. You must wait a year. Sit still and be blindfolded, he ordered. I want to be with my chosen one now. I love her, I screamed out. A hawk's claw tore into my cheek. You spoke the forbidden word. I acknowledge my wrong, knowing counsellor, I said immediately, knowing the gravity of my outburst. I had thought the word, but never said it. From the forbidden literature given to me by a classmate, I had learned the word. It had been in my dreams. You are prohibited ever to see your chosen one again. Approval for affiliation is not given, the counsellor said, his voice controlled. No, I screamed, moving away from the blindfolder. Allow the blindfold to be put on and leave my office. I want to be with my chosen one. If you are lucky, on the day before the world ends, the counsellor declared, turning his back to me. I hurled my body against the partition, smashed my fists against it, but the glass was too strong. My chosen one, blindfolded, was led out of the room. I wanted to follow her, even if it was into banishment. I wanted to grab the counsellor, but he was protected. I would never know love, I realised with a sudden sickness. I want to be with my love! I shouted as several of the uniformed ones, summoned by the slightest tap of the touchboard, entered the office, pushing the blindfolders out of their way and began to drag me away. Away to spend the rest of my days in mandatory lovelessness. First, as decreed, I must write my confession. In my own hand, I await my banishment, putting down these words. I will write about what I have never known. 
I will write the forbidden word until I hear the footsteps of those sent by the authorities to do the scarring. And if my courage is great, I will sing out the word, the forbidden word, into their faces. I will find my love somehow, and she will find me. In our hearts, in our freest dreams, we have chosen each other. We have found love. I hope you enjoyed today's episode of The Other Stories. A handwritten confession was written by J.J. Steinfeld, narrated by Josh Curran, edited by Duncan Muggerton, with music by Andrew K.N. and Tom Robson. And sound effects were provided by freesound.org. The episode illustration was provided by Luke Spooner of Carry On House. Canadian fiction writer, poet and playwright J.J. Steinfeld lives on Prince Edward Island where he's patiently waiting for Godot's arrival and a phone call from Kafka. While waiting, he's published 20 books including Madhouses in Heaven, Castles in Hell, an unauthorised biography of being, Absurdity, Woe is Me, Glory Be, A Visit to the Kafka Cafe and Gregor Samsa Was Never in the Beatles. His short stories and poems have appeared in numerous anthologies and periodicals internationally and over 50 of his one-act plays and a handful of full-act plays have been performed in Canada and the United States. Josh Curran is a narrator and writer. He has narrated many episodes of The Other Stories over the show's lifetime. He is also the creator of the horror audio drama podcast Miscreation. You can follow him on Twitter at at jcurranwriter. If you enjoyed today's episode, you can help support the show over at patreon.com forward slash hawkandcleaver. You can join our book club and movie club and chat about podcasts over at facebook.com forward slash groups forward slash hawkandcleaver. T-shirts and mugs and posters are available at gumroad.com forward slash hawkandcleaver. The other stories is a production of the story studio Hawk and Cleaver and it's brought to you with a Creative Commons Attribution Non-Commercial No Derivatives License. That means don't change it, don't sell it, but by all means share the hell out of it. So, until next time. When you make decisions for your company, you look for the no-brainers. And if you have a lot of mailing to do, Stamps.com is the ultimate no-brainer. It streamlines your processes to make your business more efficient, which makes you less busy. Mail checks, invoices, legal documents, and everything you need to keep your business running with Stamps.com. Seamlessly connect with every major marketplace and shopping cart. Schedule package pickups and see your cheapest and fastest shipping options from different carriers. With rates up to 89% off USPS and UPS rates. And with the Stamps.com mobile app, you can take care of mailing and shipping wherever you are. Make the same no-brainer decision as over 1 million other businesses with Stamps.com. Sign up with code PROGRAM for a 4-week trial plus free postage and a free digital scale. No long-term commitments or contracts. That's stamps.com. Code program.